You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome to the Vineyard. It's good to be, be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with you guys. My name is Rick Francis, pastor here at the Vineyard. We love you, Pastor Rick. Mount Comfort. It's good to have uh, all our Michiganders down. Good to have folks with us. Yeah, it's good. We're in a series right now called Prayer. <laughs> How's that for just a, a real gotcha kind of thing? It came out of uh, the decision 2016 with uh, Franklin Graham. And as that was coming through and, and as the staff was getting together and looking at that, uh, we, we tried to have these prayer focuses. And uh, as, as that was taking place, I thought, well, this would be a good time to do a little teaching on prayer and to look at it. Little did I know I was going to get ambushed by the Holy Spirit. This has just been, just been an incredible, incredible time. I've got several resources that I've read and am reading on prayer. Just wonderful, wonderful things out there. If you know something that's really, really good on prayer, uh, keep it to yourself. Don't share it. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want you to encourage anybody. No, no, no. Be, be quick to share those things that really, really minister to you. I'm amazed at how often we keep something to ourselves. And what we find that really, really ministers to us will probably minister to someone else. Now, it might not be the right season in their life for them to, to have the same response as you do to it, but you'll find that as they get it, the Holy Spirit will put it in the right sequence and at the right time, they'll come across it and will be able to draw upon it. You know, I, I did that with Jesus Calling. How many have a Jesus Calling here? Yeah, we, just about everybody. If you're part of the vineyard, this vineyard, and you don't have a Jesus Calling, uh, we have an opportunity at the end of the service to come forward and to repent and, uh, and, and receive a Jesus Calling. <laughs> I think we still have some in the bookstore, so... Yeah, that's good. And uh, there's other things. Michelle's got a great devotional that she's come across and she's sharing it with us. Uh, I've come across another one with Brian Simmons, the author of the, the Passion Translation. It's entitled, I Hear His Whisper, and it's got 50, 52 devotionals that will rock your life. Just amazing things. So if you've got something on prayer, let's, let's go for it. Let's share it. Uh, Dick Eastman, The Hour That Changes the World, just incredible. Wonderful, wonderful book. I, I don't agree with everything, but, you know, I don't agree with everything I say either. So, you know, there's, there's, always, there's always those kind of things. Read it. Take the things that the Holy Spirit uh, gleans for you and, and hold fast to that. Uh, the other is uh, by Graham Cook, Crafted Prayer. How many have, have seen Graham Cook's Crafted Prayer? Anybody? Okay. Chuck and I, All right. you might want to get a hold of that. That's really, really an excellent one. So prayer. Last week I shared from, from a quote from one of my seminary professors, Don Demeray, and he said, the, the key focus of prayer is getting God. It's not getting answers to prayer, it's, it's getting God. And oftentimes we, we look at how ineffective our prayers appear to be because most of the time, we don't start praying until we're in crisis. 
When all of a sudden we get news that something horrible has happened to someone or happened to us, then we're ready to go to prayer. It's, it's kind of when the storm hits and we go to prayer, what are we really doing? When the storm hits and we go to prayer, we're really trying to find God. We, we don't know what's happened. How could this happen to so-and-so? And so a lot of times our traditional Christian prayers are, oh Lord, John Newell is such a good man. Oh Lord, surely he's deserving of your healing. Oh Lord, be with him. I don't know what Karen would do without John. And, and we get all clamped. And then we hear the word cancer. Or we hear, we hear something that just fills our heart with unbelief. And we try to pray from that position. That's a tough way to do prayer. That's one of the reasons why praying, you know, for many of us as believers is so ineffective. Because we don't pray until the crisis hits. We don't pray in, until we're in a state of trauma. And then we cry out to God. But our crying out to God is to try to figure out where God is. And we got more unbelief behind our prayer. We've got more anxiety and more fear fueling our prayer. And as a result, our prayers are so ineffective because they're not coming from the place of the Father's heart. They're not coming from a place of love. And then we can't figure out why God's not answering prayer. Huh. Okay, I get a couple that is good. We'll move on to the next point. So we're looking at this, we're trying to look at it because when we're in a panic mode, it's really hard to pray. And I've seen seasoned believers, you know, when something bad happens, they're rattled to the core. I've seen people that have walked with the Lord for years and years and years, and when something really, really foundational shakes, they think maybe they're not even saved. And I'm just thinking, er? what, what's going on here? And it's because we haven't understood the way prayer gets answered is we first enter into his presence. And that should be a way of life for us. That shouldn't be just in the moments when, luck, when, when things get tough. That should be kind of the first thing that happens as we regain consciousness from our sleep is to try to enter into that wonderful presence of the Lord and find out what's on his heart. So whenever a crisis is happening, a storm's happening, your first is not to go and, and think by your much manipulative language, you're gonna convince God to do something wonderful in the situation. First thing to do is to draw back enter into his presence, and from the place of being in his presence, find out how the Lord wants you to pray on this situation. And he wants you to pray the way he's going to move, the way he wants to move in the situation. So Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? So week one, we looked at praise. Last week, we looked at waiting. And this week, we look at confession. So let's just do a quick review for those that haven't been here. Hmm. Dick Eastman has a 12-step prayer model, and I think the slide's up, is it not? Yep. And there you have his 12 steps. Uh, 
The, the key thing is don't get legalistic with this stuff. If you try to make this your new formula for how you're going to pray effectively and get things from God, we've already lost. You know, the whole point of prayer is to get God, to get in his presence, to have fellowship and communion with him. And from there, we get his heart on all the things that he, he wants us to agree with. And so don't go legalistic into all this stuff. I, I catch myself, some of you have personalities that are similar to mine, and you got to do everything right. And, and before I know it, I, I find that this week, there were several prayer times that I went straight into Thanksgiving. And I thought, tilt, 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 tilt. You got to start with praise. You got to start with praise. You can't go to Thanksgiving until you're done with praise. And you can't go to Thanksgiving until you're done with waiting. And you, look at where Thanksgiving, it's number eight. <laughs> and I started with eight. And I thought, I am so out of order. I know the Lord is so displeased. No, he's not displeased at all. Matter of fact, Thanksgiving is one of the things that ushers his presence. Yeah. You know, the, the psalmist says, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, I'll enter his courts with praise. And so we see the, the, the closeness of thanksgiving and praise. Don't get legalistic in this stuff and don't get all out of sorts. If there's anointing for thanksgiving and your heart is thankful, Go for it, because it will usher in the presence of the Lord. You will get God with thanksgiving. I always love the, the story that I heard when I was uh, out at Kansas City, back when it was the Kansas City prophets, before they joined the vineyard, and now they're doing the, the house of prayer. And uh, it, was, it was just amazing, because they were having all sorts of prophetic words that were happening. And as a pastor, you know that when the prophetic comes in and, and thus saith the Lord and, and a prophetic brother, someone who is a prophet is ministering to the congregation and these people are getting words from the Lord that's changing their lives. You know, like say we get two words here today and we prophesy to Ada Margaret and she gets a life-changing word as she approaches 90, she needs one so she can get her life straightened out. You know. And she, she gets a word of the Lord. And, and, and then we come over to Chuck and we give him a life-changing word. And, and we all just rejoice. But in, in the early days, nobody had enough maturity to understand that when the Lord is speaking a word to an individual, if any of that word applies to you, you can, you can piggyback on that. You can receive it. That's, 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 that's in play. That's good. You can, you can grab and receive it. But as a pastor, I'd have a hundred people that would be upset because God didn't talk to them. And it was amazing how something that was designed to build up the church all of a sudden started to become a deflate to the church. And it got to the place where I thought, I don't know if I should bring a prophetic brother in because I bring a prophetic brother in and sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so don't get a word. You know, they're going to be so depressed. I'll have six weeks of counseling just to get them back to where they were. And it's like, what, what's, no. God is speaking and prayer is so important. And wherever you start, start because it's about connecting to him. Thanksgiving. I don't know. 
I was, in, I was just in Ada Margaret's rocking chair. <laughs> That's become my chair now, but it came from her house. It's a big one. It's way too big. Her feet can't touch the ground <laughs> on it. And as I was sitting there yesterday morning, I was just enjoying the Lord. I was just so thankful. I was just filled with thanksgiving. Lord have mercy at the wonder of righteousness. There were things going on in my heart that if I, if I went old school, I would spiritually beat myself up because I would think that that was the mature Christian thing to do. To impress God with how well I see how poorly I'm living and not fulfilling everything that he wants me to do. So I just, I could beat myself and just beat myself and just go on and such a worm as me. Oh gosh. I'm trying to get everybody to pray an hour a day. And it's like pulling teeth this week to pray. It's just like, oh, this is difficult. And it's, and I was overcome with emotion as I was just thanking the Lord that he has absolutely forgiven me and that he loves me and that I don't have to do the stuff that I used to do thinking that I was spiritual when basically all it did was it set me further away from trusting him and I was able to just receive just the wonder of his presence through thanksgiving through thanksgiving, thanking him that he has forgiven my sins past, present, and future. He has absolutely forgiven. Well, we look, first step is praise. Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And praise helps us to achieve enjoying him because it brings his presence. And so we start with praise, enjoy that, or thanksgiving, or confession, or waiting. You can start with any, any one of the 12. Feel free. And we looked at that as we, as we saw it. We saw that praise is to, to prize, to value, to esteem, to cherish something. There's a few other things from last Sunday that's up on the, on the because I just copied the same slide and pasted in there. But when we look at the, the first step to changing the world through prayer, we see that we got to set a time, a specific time to pray. Do you realize that oftentimes if we don't get specific about this, it's not going to happen? We've really got to put it on the calendar. Why do you have to put it on the calendar? Because all the forces of darkness is doing everything they can do to keep you from spending time with God. The number one thing that they hate is when God's kids are with God because that's when they become dangerous to his kingdom of darkness on the earth. The more time we spend with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the more we become aware of who we are, the authority that we've been given, and the power that the Holy Spirit wants to release in the earth. And so there will be every, every form of resistance come against you to keep you from praying. So you got to really just nail it down. Put it on the calendar. Go for it. Then 
you know, some of the stuff that Dick Eastman has is, is to look for a theme, God's righteousness, his word, his creative acts, and begin to praise him and go through that. And to declare it vo- vocally, that's really, really important. I really, I, I believe in vocal praise, vocal praise. And I, I think we all had that silent thanking the Lord for, for John. But when Andrea had us give a response to that, something happened. It shifted something. Because there, it always does when we, when we move into vocalizing what's in our heart. And so we find that reality. For me, that's why finding the place to pray is really important. Because one of the things that I've discovered is that the, the more private the setting, the more intimate you can be. That works in the, in the natural as well as in the spiritual. And when I'm in a place where I know I don't have to worry about anybody overhearing me or walking by and seeing me, if they come through and they, you know, Michelle's walking through and I'm in the sanctuary and I'm up here. If I know she's not in the office, I don't have to worry about anybody seeing. So it's really just between me and Jesus. He likes my dancing. He he, he thinks... (laughs) He he is. He is. He likes my hand jacket. He loves the shout of praise. He loves the expression of thanksgiving. He loves it when we get loud. And he loves it when we get quiet. He loves both. And there's a place for both. But verbally, verbally declaring. Uh, you know, being a Methodist in my early days, you know, a lot of my prayers were silent prayers. And a lot of my prayer requests were unspoken requests. Anybody? Are there any unspoken requests here? Okay, okay. And uh, you got to get verbal, folks. Get verbal with this stuff. And then draw, you know, expand your theme as, as that develops and just enjoy. You can, you, can, you can really enjoy a lot of time in the presence of the Lord just praising him, just praising him out loud, dancing, singing to him, shouting. Then the second place that we looked at last week was waiting. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So waiting on the Lord is basically the silent surrendering of your heart, your soul, to the Lord in quiet love. Yeah. The psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And this is a little different. If, if you just go back a, a few decades ago, yeah, maybe a century, there weren't a whole lot of talkaholics like there is today. It's hard to, to go anywhere where you're not talking. Some of you introverts you know, are just dying because you got all these extroverts just going, and they're at work and they're, you know, everywhere and you can't. Today, it's hard to go someplace where somebody's not speaking. Somebody's not talking. If we're in the car, we're listening to the radio. 
You know, if we're at home, we're watching television. If, if we're at work, there's communication going among employees or bosses or whatever's happening. To get to the place of be still and know that I am God is really a difficult thing for us. It wasn't for the culture with which it read, which was reading this originally. It was written to a culture where they might be taking care of sheep all day and not have anybody to talk to. And they're told to be still and know that he's God. And so getting to a place that's quiet, uh, to a silent place is, is really good. But when you're in a silent place, sometimes all the chatter inside your head is still going. And to be still and know that I'm God means come to a place where you slow this thing down that is constantly chattering to where it gets still. And in the stillness, God speaks. And that's hard. Why don't we hear the voice of the Lord? Because we haven't learned how to shut off all the noise inside our heads all the cares and concerns inside of our hearts, all the anxieties that we bear. When we get to that place, then we're going to be in a place to hear his voice a whole lot more frequently. Zechariah 2.13 says, Be silent before the Lord all humanity, for he is springing into action from his holy dwelling. Ah, come on, spring up. Let's go, Lord. So the second step of world-changing prayer is after our moments of praise that we enter into a time of, of really getting silent, silence to the world. Think no thoughts, but thoughts of God the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. If words are to be voiced, let them be quiet whispering, like, I love you, Lord. I long for your presence, Lord. Concentrate your full attention on the love aspect of God, God's nature, in these minutes of silence. Okay? Really focus on the love of God. A lot of times we get scared when we're quiet before the Lord. Anybody afraid he's going to be mad at you? He's going he's gonna to whack you? Not a good whack either. I like good whacks. Good whacks are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That brings us to our third one, confession. And I'm going to go down two tracks on confession, depending on where you are in your sin life. <clears throat> Some of us take great pride in our sin. We need to repent of that. I used to be grieved as a pastor when I when when I hear my church members talk more about the old days when they used to do drugs and uh, be promiscuous sexually and all this kind of stuff. And, and they would do it in the presence of new believers who are just coming out of it. And it's like they're going down old memory lane. And it's almost like they're relishing the days when they got to behave like a heathen. And it just break my heart. Because it was communicating a message that it's okay. Hmm. So the sin track, the confession. Traditionally, and Dick Eastman, as he, as he approaches this, he's, he's really approaching it like, deal with sin in your life. 
Deal with sin in your life. And that's always good. Deal with sin in your life. Yeah. But for many who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, the enemy keeps getting us to deal with sin in our life as a tool to keep us ineffective in effective prayer. It gets us all focused on what a rotten person I am instead of what a great God he is. And it keeps us introspective, navel-gazing, going down and figuring out if there's one more splinter that we need the Holy Spirit to call 911 to remove a splinter that I've got. Well, we've got others who are in, in real need of love and care. So we got, we, got to, we got to really get serious about this. Confess means to agree with God concerning his opinion of a matter, okay? Have, usually in the church, whenever we, we say confess, we think of sin. Confess your sin, confess your sin, confess your sin. But there are other things we're supposed to confess. What's God saying? We call that testimony. And we give testimony when we confess to what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing in our lives or in the lives of those around us. D.L. Moody put it this way, commune or hold a serious communication and clear intelligence and acquaintance with your own hearts. And the enemy forever will want you to focus on any little weakness in your heart. It's my prayer that our lives in Christ would continue to grow and mature to where our our dynamic in prayer would grow and mature. When I look at dealing with sin in our life, I, I can't get past Psalm 51. To me, it's the hallmark psalm. It's the worship him of, of repentance and confession. And as David goes through, this is after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and confronted by Nathan. And as they go through and you get through the first nine verses, I want us to just kind of focus on 10, 11, and 12. This is where he gets to. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Anybody ever heard that verse before? You've heard those verses before? And some of us heard those verses and and we heard them and the, the enemy helps us to mishear them. And we think that God is going to take away his Holy Spirit from us if we screw up again. If you mess up one more time, I'm going to pull my Holy Spirit away from you. Oh, my God. It's like, maybe it's only us insecure Methodists that had those thoughts. I don't know. (laughs) But it was like, when I read that as a kid, I'm just going, oh, oh, God, God would take away his Holy Spirit from me? And it was almost, I got to be careful with my expression here. It was almost like it was a shaming event to bring fear 
that the Holy Spirit's going to be taken from you if you don't stop sinning. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want the Holy Spirit taken from me. And that's not what David's saying at all. David is, is grieving and it, his grief is so great. His cry to the Lord is, Lord, I want your presence. The Spirit of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. And I don't, I don't want your presence to... So do that work in my heart that will make it a place of your inhabitation. Do that work that makes it, you know, to where I don't have to worry about, you know, failing you again. Hmm. Let's look at another New Testament passage. So that's in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Yes. No condemnation. Hmm. That'd be something good to confess. I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned. I confess that. Yeah. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Hmm. Over to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you believe that? Thine old life. I mean, that's in the word. Do we really believe that? Do we really, really believe that? Many of us do in our head. It hasn't got fully developed in our heart yet. Hmm. We need to get that in our heart. And we get it in our heart, not by shaming ourselves because it's not in our heart, but by declaring the truth. This is what God's word says. I stand on his word. This is what God has said about me. <laughs> I'm righteous. All my unrighteousness went with Jesus. All his righteousness is now mine. Wow. You don't have to worry about that making you arrogant or puffing you up because his righteousness brings a humility to us. It causes us to, to see ourselves and to see him as we've never seen before. So here's traditionally how we look at this third step. Following your time of silent waiting, immediately ask God to search your heart for any unconfessed sin. Now, when we look at that, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I thought, yeah, that's good. And you know my story. Being a good Methodist, I've always done that and say, Lord, search my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. And one time I just sensed the exasperation of the Father and he says, Rick, 
I know your heart. Why don't you search mine? Examine my heart. Know my heart. And so instead of now, instead of me wasting all my time trying to figure out where my heart is, I, I, I want to enter into his heart and discover the amazing, merciful, loving, holy, incredible heart of God. So wonderful, so wonderful. I would say, let your confession be of what you discover when, he search, when you're searching his heart. And don't get caught up in trying to figure out if there's any blemish in your heart. Because the closer you get to his heart, the more the stuff in your heart gets transformed. It gets transformed by being in his presence. And I think that's how the enemy makes us ineffective. As we're constantly looking at our situation, our heart, our, our sinfulness, and we, we lose track of his righteousness, of his absolute power to forgive. Hmm. Uh, mentally examine your recent activities, discover possible areas of spiritual failure that need confessing. If that works for you, go for it. That's not where I'm at. It's just like, oh, when I read that, I just almost wanted to, I think my toenails curled. I just thought, oh. Huh. If, there's, if, if, if you got areas where there's failure, I'll sure, deal with them. But I think if you start confessing of the areas where he wants you to succeed, where he's wanting to lead you into victory, would be far, far better time spent. Confess any specific sins you may be guilty of, either against God or your fellow man. Obviously, if you've done something to a brother or sister, you need to take care of it. Clean up your messes. Don't let, don't let those become deterrents to, to your prayer time. And anything that we've done against God, he's already forgiven you. Just come into his presence. Sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't even know if he really cares if you articulate it or not, because he already knows your heart. And the fact that you're coming to him and you're jumping in his lap shows that you really, really want to be with him. Confess your specific your need for specific divine guidance and supernatural unction. I would say instead of confess your need, start declaring what you've got. Instead of, oh, I hope God gives me power today that I might do something good for him. And I'll declare today I am, oh, we'll get into that in a second. So when, when we're looking at this, confessing is, is to say the same thing, to agree with God concerning his opinion. Sometimes it's his opinion of you or the situation that you're, you're bringing before him. So God, what's your opinion of me? It's something that I've used in my counseling practice a lot of times when people say they can't hear God and, and all this, I just say, well, just ask him this question. God, what do you think of me? And they sit there and they take that exercise. They do it all week. They come back. I said, did you hear from God? And he said, yeah. What did he say? What's he think of you? He said he loved me. 
I've never had any client that I've ever counseled come back and say, oh, he said he's really ticked at me. He says, you miserable failure. No, they all come back and say the same thing. God says that he loved me. And you know what? But I knew that. I want to know what he wants me to do. Uh, What we know in our head and what we need to know in our heart, a lot of things we know in our head that we do not realize in our hearts. And God's first, his first words to you always is to secure your heart with his love, an expression of his love. If it's not a verbal, it's a demonstration of his love. He wants your heart secure. Mm -hmm. God, what what are you saying concerning me? You know, Psalm 139, I think it's verse 17, uh, can be translated this way. Precious concerning to me, precious concerning me are your thoughts, O Lord, how vast the sum of them. If they were to be numbered, they would outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. So if he's got an infinite number of wonderful thoughts about you, what's he been saying? What have you heard? Get into his presence. He loves sharing about his creation. And he created you. And there's so much about you that you don't know. It would be good for you to spend some time in his presence asking him, what are his thoughts concerning me? And make sure you have your pen and your paper, your journal, your recorder, make sure you write them down. Because whatever he tells you is true. But the enemy will try to snatch it away as quickly as you hear it. Okay? So, we've got the dirty, rotten sinner versus you are my son and my daughter. I vote for son and daughtership. And I say, let's leave you dirty, rotten sinner to, to history. And let that be part of our history of how we grew out of infancy, believing a lie about ourselves. And now that as we're moving out of adolescence into young adulthood, we're starting to believe the truth about what God says about us. So some declarations. What's some declarations that you have? Nope. Oh, She already put them up there. I was going to get some from you guys before I showed you. I did these in about 30 seconds. I was just thinking, man, what what could we declare? What could we declare? So, okay, so, so we've got four up there. I'm a child of God. I'm loved eternally by my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer a slave. Don't go any further. Okay, so you got four head start. What's some declarations that, that the Holy Spirit's rising up in your heart? What is something? As you're confessing in prayer, what are you going to confess? I don't fear what may happen in the natural world. Okay. Uh-huh. Anything that has to do with fear is good. I confess that fear is not my master. I confess that perfect love casts out all fear. 
Yeah, that's scriptural. Okay? Anything. I confess that I don't have to be afraid of going to the dentist's office this week (laughs) to get my crown and a shot and all that. That's my wife. That's not me. I'm confessing something for her. Yes! We're standing on that one, Lord. Yeah. So, confessions. Any, any other confessions? My father sings over me. Ooh, I like that one. I didn't have that one down. My father sings over me. Mm-hmm. I confess God sings over me. Anybody else? Yes. I am full of life and compassion. Ooh, yes, good. Mm-hmm. I am the apple of my father's eye. I am the apple of my father's eye. And the orange and the strawberry <laughs> and the tomato and the banana. Mm, yeah. I recognize and attribute to you miracles. Yes. I confess God is a God of miracles. Yes. Amen. Yeah, I miss singing that. He is a healer. God is a healer. He's my healer. Good. We're getting some confessions. Uh-huh. I confess that God would never ask me to do something that he has not given me the ability and everything that I need to do it. Amen. He'll provide exactly what you need for all his assignments. Sue, go to the next slide, sweetie. I confess I'm forgiven. I can stay there and just be thankful for that. Just be thankful for that. I don't use that as an excuse to just go on sinning. I use that as just unbelievably caught, stopped, dead in my tracks with how amazing his forgiving, his forgiving grace is. Just so amazing, so amazing. I'm a new creation, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I am the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am more than a conqueror. So what's more than a conqueror? Amen for that. Means we should conquer, but we're even more than that. More than a conqueror. Meditate on that. Ask Jesus, what does that mean? More than a conqueror. If you were to put it into Super Mario terms, it means you hit the power pill and it lasts the whole game. <laughs> I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good confessions to make. Last one. I'm a co-heir with Christ. Wow. You know, he's our elder brother and he's not ashamed of us. He doesn't say, oh, that's my brother. (laughs) He's the black sheep of the family. He's not ashamed to call us his brother and sisters. We're co-heirs, co-laborers. This is a father and son enterprise and we're part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm a overcomer. Yeah. So when you start doing and you start making confession a part of your prayer life, it's amazing how it prepares you for the day. 
It keeps you from the worm mentality of, I'm inadequate, I'm not enough, I don't know what I'm going to do, I just know that I'm going to encounter troubles today, I just know that everybody's going to speak bad about me, and I don't know what I'm going to do. It gets us out of the victim mindset and gets us into a kingdom mindset of, I'm on assignment from heaven. I'm on assignment from the king. I've got a royal decree, and God has called me to do life today. And so from my place of prayer, my place of presence with him, I am now empowered to engage the reality of my world in a redemptive way, to usher in the kingdom and to bring it in such a way as that we don't have to worry about getting contaminated because we are going to be the ones that's infecting everything around us. Old Testament, you touch the leper, you get leprosy. New Testament, Jesus touches the leper, the leper's healed. Okay? It's time for us to get Old Testament thinking out of our mind when it comes to the contamination of the world and go out and be light and salt and release the authority that's been given to us. So, Father, thank you for your love today. You're so good. Mm. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the power and authority that you have over everything in heaven and on earth. And I come to you to know you and to confess that you are Lord of my life. You are Lord. Right on. Mm. And so fill this place with your presence. Fill each son and daughter with an understanding of how deeply you love them. Let them know how wonderful and fearful you've created them. Mm. I pray, Lord, that it would be a day of releasing what you've given to us, to others. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.